Tilk, tr- r- Tilk reiterates the fat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. How's it going? Okay, how are you? I'm okay. Do I sound okay? Yeah, your O was a little off though, but now you sound okay. Okay, good. I I have my new setup with my arm and also a pop filter. Ooh, an arm. Ooh. No way. An arm. Not just my own arms, but a microphone arm. A third arm. Third arm. What's just like I've always better, wanted. Nothing better than that. Absolutely not. I have a pop filter, too. Yay. I'd been wanting... I actually bought this a couple weeks ago and then kept forgetting to actually put it on my microphone, so... Shit happens. You know. But now it's here, and I have my arm, and everything is all set up, and I can actually like sit back in my chair now instead of having to hunch forward. It's great. It's great. It's going to be a good day for podcasting. I live for hunching forward, so I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> Excellent. I don't have a great chair, so really that's probably my best bet. My haunted rocking chair is quite comfortable, so. That's good. I'm happy yeah. to hear that yeah. it is a comfortable haunted rocking chair. It is. I'll have to remember to not rock too much while I'm sitting in it, though, because otherwise then I'm going to be constantly louder and quieter and louder and quieter (laughs) (laughs) as I rock back and forth. So I'll I'll rock the boat. Don't rock the boat, baby. (laughs) Rock the boat. Don't tip the boat over. Rock the boat. Exactly. Our love is like a ship on the ocean. I haven't heard that song in a really long time, but that brought it up for me. Me neither. I just spilled seltzer all over myself. At least it's not sticky. Mm. I hate spilling sticky things on myself. I mean, I hate spilling anything on myself, but sticky things are really annoying. Yes. Agreed. What are you drinking? Did I hear cans? I, it's water in a metallic container, but also don't worry. I had some gin already today, so... Nice. I was at a brewery earlier today, so I had a couple beers with my lunch. Yeah, I was going to ask, what's this journeying to Massachusetts so often? <laughs> it's where the dispensaries are legal. <laughs> there. <laughs> and it's also legal to consume in the state we're currently living in, even though you can't buy it here. That so. is true. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, <laughs> maybe time to take some treks up north. <laughs> And while I'm there, I might as well go get beer at the Northampton Brewery and some ice cream at Harold's. Damn right. Because <laughs> both of those places are also great. Yes, they are. What kind of ice cream did you have? Uh, I had three Amigos. Or did they call it Trace Amigos? I forget. Um, but it is Heath Bars and Reese's Peanut Butter Cups and Oreos oh. up into vanilla ice cream. And it's so good. That's amazing. Yeah. I love Harold's. I haven't had I it in too. so long. They're so good. We'll get there again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> at the at the latest. Are we seeing they might be Giants show at this point? We are. Time? It's, okay. you know, the end of March 2022, but we're Woo! only, you know, like eight months away from that now. So. Yay. Woo-hoo. So close. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
not like it's a long trek. I could just go get Harold's ice cream sometime. It's true. It was, well, without traffic, it would have been less than an hour, but there was a ton of traffic on the way back, and I made some stops on the way up, so. I am supremely but lazy when it comes to You're also driving, significantly though. farther south. Well, true. I mean, like, it's a tiny state. It's not that significantly farther south, but you're farther south <laughs> than me. It's true. It's an easy, is when the traffic isn't bad, though, it's a nice, easy shot up there, yeah. so. Yes. True. Yeah. Traffic. Quite true. That's a pre-pandemic thing. I haven't missed at all. Yeah, right? And it's for sure coming back yep. in force. <laughs> I feel like I'm running into traffic just everywhere <laughs> I go these days. Yeah. And it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it. Why does everyone want to go places in their dumb cars like I'm doing at the exact same time? Seriously. Everyone should just get out of our way. Really? I don't think it's too much to ask. I should have priority on the road. Agree. Anyway, none yeah. of this has anything to do with today's episode. <laughs> Zero. There's not a not a car to be seen. What did we watch? Or what what did we watch? <laughs> we watched uh, Stargate SG One season two episode nine secrets. 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 <laughs> the team is gathered in the conference room with General Hammond. Because it has been one year to the day since they left Avidos and they promised to get back in touch with them. I think Daniel promised a you know a daughter to be returned at that time. <laughs> However, unfortunately, they will be empty-handed. But Daniel thinks it's worthwhile to go anyway because his father-in-law deserves to know what has happened to his daughter. Yeah, fair. And it looks like they are good to go because they had sent a probe through and you see that the gate is unburied on the Avidos side because it goes through and doesn't just smack into nothing. And <laughs> there's a Shari's father. Sent, do you think they sent something cheaper than a malp through first just to make sure the iris was open? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or do you think they just sent the whole thing through and were like, well, let's hope for the best. <laughs> That's a good question because it does seem like it'd be really expensive yeah. to just send a malp through when there's a chance there's no gate on the other side. Although that could be the case in almost any time they're exploring a new world. True. Although this one they kind of knew it could go either way. Yeah. Who knows? But anyway... Not us. Yeah. Avidos is there. Shari's dad is there. So. Kasuf. Kasuf, yes. <laughs> it's a fun name to say. <laughs> it is. Hammond is cool with letting Daniel go, but it's only going to be an SG half. <laughs> I wrote down just G.5. <laughs> <laughs> Carter and O'Neill are scheduled to go to Washington to get a shiny medal from the president. Good for them. Oh boy. Yeah. So Teal'c is going to go with Daniel. That's about it. <laughs> that is <laughs> that's, it. Yeah. That's the gist. Yeah. So that's the plan. They're going to go. Yeah. So I guess it's a little while later because they've had enough time to change. For whatever reason, Daniel is dressed in robes, but Teal'c is in fatigues. I was wondering why they were dressed differently like that. But whatever. Doesn't really matter. They talk to Jack and Sam about how 
Tilk and Daniel are going to go through first. Jack and Sam are going to be going on their trip to D.C. And then when they get back from D.C., they're supposed to join Daniel and Tilk on Abydos in a couple days. And Daniel and Tilk go through the gate. On the other side, Kasuf has been waiting for them to come through. And he looks very alarmed to see Tilk there with Daniel. But Daniel promises him that there's no reason to be afraid. Everything is okay. But he also says that the search for Kasuf's daughter has not been successful. And Daniel says he anticipates it taking many more seasons. Kasuf says, I see. Then tells him to come with him. Kasuf takes them to a tent where, surprisingly, Share is just chilling out. <laughs> Tilk pulls a Zat gun on her, but doesn't fire because Daniel is very opposed to Tilk shooting his wife, understandably. <laughs> Camera pans down and we see that she is probably a good nine months pregnant or so. And then we go out to credits. Oh my goodness. Indeed. That's new. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Daniel just wanted to feel at home in his robes. Maybe. Later, he's not wearing his robes, and he's got a t-shirt and pants underneath. And when he was living at Avidos, did he wear those t-shirts and <laughs> pants underneath the entire time he was there? Or do you think he was wearing nothing under his robes? Or something else? They may have other clothes they wear under their robes when they're on Avidos. I don't know. <laughs> that is a good question. I would guess he was probably wearing whatever the locals wear. I would hope, because I would think that a t-shirt and pants under all those robes would probably be really uncomfortable. I would think especially so. Especially in a desert. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't get those answers this time. Nope. We come back from credits to the same standoff where Tilk's got his zat pointed at Sharae. Kasuf stands in front of the weapon offering his own life in exchange. Daniel's like, uh, yeah, nobody's getting killed. Although Tilk does not lower his weapon yet. No, he is not very convinced no. that nobody needs to be shot. No, so Daniel and Teal'c know that Sharae is not Sharae, and they are concerned about it. <laughs> yes, quite. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to put it mildly. Yeah. Yeah. So Daniel asks how long she's been there. Kasuf says he's that she's been there for more than a season, however long seasons are on Abydos, I don't know. And then Sharae speaks, husband. And Daniel's like, bitch, I'm Sharae's husband, but you ain't her. <laughs> and then Daniel's like, yep. she's a gould. A great demon of power and evil or whatever. And she admits that this is true to her father, which this does seem to be a surprise to him at this point. So she apparently never said anything about it, even though she's been here for a whole season. I was about to say, you might think that it would have come up in conversation somewhere in the last couple couple months to who knows how long, like you said, who knows how long their seasons yeah. are, whether there are season length or not. Shari says that the gold is sleeping because she's pregnant and that for some reason, if the gold awakens, the child will be stillborn. Really wasn't sure how that happens unless the... <laughs> I, I don't Some know. I don't know how yeah, don't gold know. Bi biology works in humans because it's all made up anyway, so who yes. cares? Well, you got me. By all accounts, it doesn't make sense. Whatever. Yeah. It, like, if it knows enough to go dormant, you would think that it would know to not kill the kid, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
apparently Apophis is the father of this human baby. What? I know. And Teal'c says he's never heard of a gold fathering a human child before. So I guess that even though they take human bodies, they don't do the sex <laughs> normally. I don't know. Sounds I like don't it. Know either. Or There's so much we don't know about this episode. Maybe they do do the sex, but the babies are always stillborn and don't make it that far into the pregnancy. So it doesn't matter. Who maybe. knows? We don't know. Yeah. So much we don't know. So much. There's still so much you don't know about me. Apparently, Apophis has decided to father this child because he wants a new host. And he wants this baby of his own to be his host, again, for reasons that are unclear. Yeah, and that's creepy because it's kind of almost like he's his own dad. Yeah. (laughs) If he follows through with that. So that just struck me as gross and weird. So he's hidden her, he's hidden Sheree slash his wife away on Abydos until the baby's born. And then at that point, I guess the gold will take back over. But it was unclear to me why they sent her there. So she's there in hiding, basically, because Apophis has a lot of enemies. He's real weak because of the whole failed attempt to kill all humans on Earth multiple times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought that's why basically she was there to be hidden away. Because I guess she would be more vulnerable, and like you said, he didn't have all that many people, so... And I guess to be fair, um, like, if you put her among her own people, they're less likely to be like, let's kill her while she's vulnerable. And then, right. Although, again, if humans are worshipping them, maybe they wouldn't kill them. But anyway, she's there. She's hidden. It's all very yeah. shocking for Daniel. So shocking <laughs> that we get literally 22 seconds of people just standing there looking stunned and silent at each other. <laughs> I'm glad you I counted the time. I timed it because i was like holy shit how long are they gonna go on with this it's just constantly kasuf sharae daniel teal kasuf sharae daniel teal just we get a nice long shot of daniel like (laughs) processing on screen (laughs) it was so weird eventually daniel walks out end of scene (laughs) (laughs) finally the scene ended with daniel leaving the four-way standoff that was happening (laughs) Of everyone staring each other down. So weird. So very weird. (laughs) Next, we're in D.C. with Sam and Jack. They're wandering around the city in their dress uniforms. Jack says he can find his way around the universe, but can't navigate through D.C. Har har. And Sam, Sam tells him not to worry. Apparently, she spent about two years in the city while she was trying to get the Stargate program reopened. So she knows the city pretty well. She also says that she is pretty sure that it was time well spent. Jack's like, you think? He didn't seem quite that convinced. Although that seems weird, but okay. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Eventually the two get to a fancy gathering with waiters and drinks being served and somebody playing the piano in the background. Hammond's already there talking to a guy and Jack goes to get a drink for himself and for Sam. Sam is motioned over by Hammond, and the guy that Hammond's been talking to turns around, and Sam looks pretty stunned for a second before saying, Dad. Dad? What? Dad. Dad. There's a lot of dads in this episode. Yeah. Back on Abydos, 
Kasif is comforting Sharae, who's like, Danielle no longer loves me. Can I just say that I thought that her acting here was, like, cringingly bad when she would fake cry and fake be sad and upset. I'm sorry. I just... <laughs> I'm sorry. Was not convincing to me and just literally made me cringe whenever she was trying to fake being upset. Aw. I didn't, I didn't really pay much attention to it, I think. I don't know, but I'm, yeah. <laughs> it was really bad. Tilka's still there. He didn't give them any privacy. <laughs> and he's like, it's not true that Daniel doesn't love you. And Shari kind of recognizes Tilka, who's like, yeah, I was the first prime when you were taken over by Gould. Sorry about that. And she's like, no, though. I remember other things, like you're a traitor, and she knows his name is Tilk. And she knows because her gold knows. And that his, Apophis curses his name. That was about it, I think. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. pretty much it. <laughs> but Tilk seems pretty surprised to learn that she's actually able to remember anything from when her hagfish was asserting itself. Yes. I think forgot to mention a couple scenes back. But Sharae says that, that her hagfish alter ego is called Emanette. That's a pretty name. Is it French? Or specifically, I think she said it's the person who's, like, taken her soul or killed her soul or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So still on Abydos, outside the tent, Tilt comes out and tells Daniel that they need to go through the gate right away. Daniel doesn't really understand why the fact that Share shares Guald memories is really that big of a deal. But Tilt says that it would be great strategic benefit to have access to all those memories, even if it's just for a few days. Daniel is completely incensed at this suggestion and is like, do you know who we're talking about here? She's been through enough. We're not going to just hand her over to Mayborn. I didn't really get why he just assumed she would be handed over to Mayborn. Couldn't they like bring her discreetly over and question her themselves without necessarily shipping her off to Mayborn wherever he is at the moment? Maybe. But anyway... <laughs> Tilk reiterates that the knowledge she possesses could save our world, and Daniel says, well, I don't care. We're not doing it. I'm sorry. And <laughs> Tilk says, more sorry for yourself than for Sharae. <laughs> I was like, good call, Tilk. Yeah. <laughs> you are correct. And Daniel was being whiny, and I suppose I wouldn't expect much else from him. No. I, everyone's smarter about other people's problems than they themselves are because it was the opposite in literally the last episode with Daniel being like here's a reasonable thing to say and Teal's like <laughs> yes <laughs> very true Till continues that Sharae is going to give birth in a couple days and the Gua'uld inside of her is going to awaken anyway and when Apophis comes to take her away then they'll be gone forever so this is kind of the only chance that he even has to maybe find some solution to the issue. So Daniel says that he needs to go talk to his wife for a moment. Back at the DC party, Sam's hugging her dad. Hammond said he invited her father, Jacob. I think he calls him Jake, though, in this episode. I thought he did, too, but I don't remember them ever calling him Jake at any other time. So Yeah, so he's Jacob anyway for... Yeah. For continuity purposes, this is Jacob, Sam's father. <laughs> yes. So Hammond invited Jacob and thought that Sam might like the surprise. And Sam says, that's sweet, which is not saying she's happy or sad about the surprise <laughs> I noticed. Yep. 
Jacob says he and Hammond served together in the Air Force way back when, and he's so excited about her medal for deep space telemetry. He he specifically said way back when the Air Force was still our first line of defense, and Sam was really insulted by that. (laughs) Yes, she was. (laughs) The way he says deep space telemetry makes it pretty clear he's not buying that that's what they do. Jack comes over with some punches for him and Sam. Not physical punches, but beverages (laughs) in a little glass. Sorry. Jack has heard nothing about Sam's dad. Sam says that she talks about him all the time. Jacob says he's basically on the verge of retiring. He's a general and Jack's like, I retired once, but couldn't stay away. And he's like, Jacob is like... From your deep space radar telemetry. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Dynamo. Jack quickly excuses himself to go get some air outside. And Hammond leaves to make some rounds, leaving Sam alone with her father. Jacob tells her her cover story could use some polish. And Sam's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Then he is like, okay, but whatever you're doing can't be as good as actually doing the real thing. And he wants her to get into NASA and actually go to space. <laughs> She's already been to space so many times and he doesn't know. A little bit later outside, Jack is walking around minding his own business and some guy in the foreground looks at him ominously. Nice long scene. Do you recognize the gentleman in that scene? I did. I, he, I, he's in X-Files, right? But I can't he remember sure who is. he was. He okay. plays Jeffrey Spender. Who oh, is right. son of Cancer Man. Spoilers for this 20-year-old show on a podcast about <laughs> another 20-year-old show. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I knew I knew I had seen him in X-Files. I just couldn't remember who he was. Awesome. <laughs> Do you think he's the same character here, even though he lied and says his name is something different later? <laughs> Maybe. Anyway, back in Abydos, Sheree and Daniel are chilling in a tent. Sheree says, you hate me. And Daniel says, no, I love you. Sheree begs for forgiveness. And Daniel hugs her and says that there is nothing to forgive. Sheree talks about how she is ashamed. But Daniel says that he hates what's been done to her. I I, I sound about as fed up with this scene as I was watching it, I think. (laughs) It was just so sappy. And I just realized that I sound really over it as I'm describing it. Well, I'm not noticing it because I think I was also kind of over it, too. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much it for that scene. They they <laughs> tell each other how much they love each other, and then they hug. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Yep. 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 Let's go someplace more interesting, like D.C. Back now. in D.C. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob has made a call to the head of NASA on Sam's behalf to express her interest in going into space and says that she should apply again because he's called in some favors and she'll be able to skip the line. He's told them what she's capable of and it's your dream. And she's like, but my current work is really important to me and once, you know, is going to stay there. Jacob wants her to talk to whoever she he talked to at NASA, the head or someone else do it for me she's like oh it's all about you huh (laughs) dad's like yeah it is 
And then he leaves. Yep. In some bar somewhere in D.C. Looks like a nice bar. Jack is there having a drink alone. And the creeper from before comes up and addresses him by name. And asks if it's really him. The creeper guy says that Jack is a really tough man to find. And introduces himself as Armand Zellick. And says he's a journalist. Jack gets up to leave, but Armand asks if he's heading back to the Stargate so soon. Jack seems a little bit surprised by that, but tries to hide it and asks what? Armand says a big gray round thing, can't miss it. Obviously, Jack continues to deny any knowledge of this since it is a top secret program, but the guy pulls a recorder out of his pocket. Armand pulls a recorder out of his pocket and replays the conversation that Jack and Sam were having earlier when they were talking about navigating halfway across the galaxy. Armin says that this isn't the only evidence that he has about the Stargate program and that he actually has a source in the Air Force who is telling him about all of this tech that is being kept secret and that we can send people halfway across the galaxy. Jack says he has no idea who that source might be, but that the CS Galaxy is a large transport vessel and that's all he was referring to. And Armin is like, what about the Stargate? Jack says, I have no idea. And then he leaves. But of course, he pays his bill first. And I'm sure tips well on top of that. Yeah, I think he also offered for Armin to drink his next beer that he, I guess, ordered because Jack was finished with his beer when he's like, you can have mine or something like that when he ordered. A oh, beer. I thought but... that it was, was him being sarcastic. Oh, and saying, you can have my beer. I barely touched, barely touched it as he was drinking the dregs. Of it. Oh, OK. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I'm like, in my world, I would have already ordered the second beer. So it would be there when the first beer arrived. So who that's knows? fair. Yeah, of course. Who wouldn't? Yeah. I, that's what I did today at lunch. Yeah. <laughs> Don't know what they're drinking, though, because in TV world, they just order a beer. <laughs> they always order a beer. It is always generic looking gold beer, even though many beers are not gold or clear. (laughs) And most places have more than one tap. (laughs) Most places have more than just one beer. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) These are the important things. They are to me. (laughs) Yeah. On Abydos, Sheree is talking to Daniel and Tilk. She's telling them that after the baby is born, her hagfish will reawaken and then punish the child for Sharae's disobedience I guess if she you know does anything not good well out of Apophis's watchful eye I don't know <laughs> um, <laughs> and Teal's like we won't let that happen and Daniel says they've got some time until the baby, baby is born baby <laughs> you almost said baby <laughs> <laughs> At some point, I think in my notes, I actually start calling it the bebe instead, which maybe I should just do that because then I won't accidentally say babely or the babely or. It's a great show. Daniel says he'll be there and no one will hurt her and that maybe they can study this hagfish dormancy, presumably to keep it going. (laughs) Yes. And hopefully they can stay together on Earth, which is a question mark. Kassif says that Apophis is going to come back and he will destroy the village if she's gone. Which is an important point. Yes, quite. Tilk says they should spin a story about an enemy stealing Sharae and the child, which Kassif points out is the truth if they just leave with her. 
and he says that Shari should go. <laughs> he said it, that was really funny. He's like, go with them. <laughs> Get out of here. Oh, yeah. He did, like, he wasn't, like, just like, you should go. He's like, go. And yeah. Daniel's like, don't tell her what to do. <laughs> Which was weird. Yeah. You tell her what to do all the time, Daniel. So. Yeah, I don't know. But then Daniel's like, we're not going to force you to go. Shari's like, but will I be with you once the demon returns? And Daniel says that you'd be forced into a cell, which he then explains is like a cage. <laughs> which Wouldn't she? Yeah, wouldn't she, she know what a cell is? She's been in one before. Her whole, a whole group of her people were herded into one, and then she was plucked out of there and stuck a, had a gold stuck in her. So... Yep. Well, to be fair, she's still learning English because it's he refuses true. to speak Egyptian to all of them and is making them all learn English. <laughs> so maybe she just hasn't learned that word yet. That is true. She might not know the word cell. We're being unnecessarily harsh on Daniel, I guess, again. Mm-hmm. They've all learned a lot of English in a relatively short time, it seems. Yeah. It's impressive. Yes. Which makes me... That much more annoyed that Daniel can't be bothered to learn their language <laughs> when they've clearly tried really hard to learn his. He sometimes knows some of it. <laughs> yes. But anyway, he tells her she's basically going to be locked up until they can figure out how to get Amanette out of her and promises that it won't be easy, but Apophis will not be able to hurt her or the baby again. <laughs> so Sharae agrees to go and Teal's like, let's get out of here right now. Let's go. Get out of here. Right now. now. Come on. Now. Come on. Now. Yeah. Time to go. Go, 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 go. Back at the reception thingy in DC, Hammond is describing a boxing match to a very bored looking gentleman. <laughs> and Jack comes in and pulls Hammond away from the conversation and warns Hammond that they seem to have sprung a leak. He tells Hammond everything about the conversation that he had with Armand earlier. And also assures Hammond that he, of course, denied everything that Armand was saying, but the reporter obviously didn't believe him. Hammond asks how much he knows. Jack tells him that if he knows who Jack is and was able to figure out he was going to be here for this ceremony right now, then he must know an awful lot. Hammond's like, oh yeah, that's quite a problem. Indeed. Yeah. Back at Abydos. Daniel, Tilk, and Share are heading to the gate. A bunch of rumbling starts and dust falls from the ceiling, and the camera gets all shaky, and so apparently it would seem a Gua-World ship is coming and landing on top of the pyramid. Share backs away from Daniel and Tilk, and her eyes start to glow, so uh-oh, it seems Aminette is back and says that her lord comes for her. Tilk really wants to shoot her <laughs> again, but Daniel lowers his hand. And he goes to talk to Shari and says that she really needs to fight just a little bit longer. Shari does manage to come back. And then suddenly, inconveniently, she's in labor. Tilk thinks that probably the arrival of the Gwauld has triggered it somehow for some reason. And Tilk tries to dial out, but is only able to get through like two symbols before the ceiling opens to allow the ring transporters to come down. <laughs> And they take way longer than we have ever seen them take before, which is convenient because it gives SG.5 plus Share just enough time to get out of the room and hide. A bunch of Jaffa come down with Heru-Ur, who we've seen before. Jaffa goes up and looks at the DHD and noticed that 
two of the symbols were, were lit up, so he figures that the, somebody must have been trying to flee, but didn't actually have time to finish dialing out. So Haru er, tells his guards to go find Apophis's queen, and his eyes glow as we switch scenes. Yay! Yay! I don't know why I'm yaying. Yeah, I don't know why we're... <laughs> that's not something to me. Yay! <laughs> Jack, Sam, and Hammond are in some tiny, looks like maybe a press room. Mm-hmm. There's a podium and a bunch of chairs. Sam is asking what happens if the story runs, and Hammond's like, bad things will happen. Thanks for that. Uh, there would obviously <laughs> be consequences, both domestic and international. Thanks. Yes. Yes. There will be. Yes. <laughs> he said more words than I did, but... That's, he said a lot more yeah. words, but you got the gist, and that's what matters. <laughs> Sam asks who the source is. They don't mm-hmm. think it's an SGC person, because everyone there knows how important the work is. Hammond thinks it might be a political leak. Perhaps from Kinsey, Sam asks. Jack's like a dozen psychophants know if Kinsey knows. Kinsey does know, so yeah. <laughs> I guess a dozen sycophants do know. Sure. It's nice that everyone who works for politicians are sycophants. That's good yeah. to know. Mm-hmm. Jack doesn't like politicians is basically no, the gist does. of that. Hammond says that even civilians who know about the program do sign non-disclosure agreements and are subject to prosecution if they are leaking things. Jack's like, what should we do? Hammond wants them to find out how much the reporter knows. So Jack's going to go find the dude. And I think he says the dude is going to find him or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I guess he has a name. I could stop calling him the dude, but. The dude. (laughs) The dude abides. Here we are. Back on Abydos. Daniel is trying to coach Sherry through her labor. So it's a good thing he had all that training from the midwife back of the day. <laughs> Sheree is very worried that Apophis is coming and Tilk tells her that the ship that landed wasn't actually Apophis, it was Heru Ur. Daniel tries to tell Sheree that she's going to be fine, she's safe, but Tilk is like, well, yeah, not not so much, that's not true. We're safe here. <gasps> You're incorrect, Daniel Jackson. Tilk says that they need to really get out of there as soon as possible, right away, like now. But Daniel refuses to leave because Share can't really go with him and he is not going to leave her. So Tilk says that he will do what he can to keep the horse guards away because I don't know that we've mentioned, but Haru Ur's guards have horse heads as opposed to the eagle heads or wolf heads we've seen before. I didn't even pay attention to that. So thank you for that. You're welcome. (laughs) Jack walks out of, it looks like an Air Force building, I think the sign said down some stairs and sits on a bench right outside the building. Armin is in the area and immediately sits down (laughs) next to him. Convenient. Yes. So he has not strayed far. Nope. And he guesses that Jack's plan is to find out what has leaked so far while they're checking him out. Armin says that He's got all he needs, and he doesn't actually need Jack, but really wanted to meet him. (laughs) Which is, you know, is that true, or is he just trying to flatter Jack into actually saying something? Which he's not, because Jack is cool as a cucumber. 
Uh, he tells Jack he's going to be a hero when the story breaks, and Jack's like, cool. So what are you going to tell people? And so he, Armin gives in at this point and is like, well, you're the leader of SG-1. And blah, blah, blah. There's a Stargate in Cheyenne Mountain. <sighs> Jack gets up to leave. Armin continues that it costs $7 billion a year and that they're and looking for superior technology to offset expenditure of the program. So basically he knows everything he knows about it. The everything. only thing he doesn't necessarily mention is that we actually have aliens here on this planet. Yeah. <laughs> Jack's like, you don't know anything. Don't embarrass yourself. And then Armin makes reference to two bright flashes in the night sky, which is exactly what Samuel said that people right. would say about the day, although he was thoroughly wrong about how it would happen. Yes. Armin says further that these were alien ships that were on their way to attack Earth. He knows a lot, dude. But Jack is still super cool about it. He takes off his sunglasses and he's like, let's get one thing right. It's O'Neill with two L's. <laughs> there is a Colonel O'Neill with one L and he has no sense of humor. How you doing? Which is a fun movie callback and a callback mm. to when he's said that before and it's great. I, I thought it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really very much amused me. Armin's planning to go ahead with the story anyway and that he can't be stopped. Jack's like, no one will believe you. And Armin walks down the steps away and turns back to Jack to, to double check on the 2L thing. <laughs> Jack turns to go back in the building, but then we hear tires squealing. And then we flash to the hilarious face on the shocked <laughs> Armin right before he's hit by a car. And it's it completely ruined like any... <laughs> severity of this scene for me <laughs> it was just really funny it was a weird face that yeah he made, yes. it, and it, it, there, it's so it's just so obviously flashed up there and it just <laughs> it was more funny than dramatic for me <laughs> yes that's fair i can for sure see why yeah but jack runs back down towards him orders another air forceman in uniform to call 911 people are sort of standing around him Jack's like, don't move. Armin's like, you did this. And Jack's like, it wasn't us. And then Armin dies. Jack's got some blood on his hands from holding his head. Is, yep. it, is it symbolic blood on his hands? We don't know. Oh, I don't know. Oh. Good question. Back in Abydos, a guard comes into the gate room and tells Harrower that they haven't found Sheree or the kid. And Harrower... Haru-er insists that they need to be taken alive. Wherever they happen to be, they need to be found and taken alive. Back out in a tent, a guard is threatening Kasif and trying to get information about where Share might be. But then Tilk runs in and shoots the guy. <laughs> nice job, Tilk. Yeah. Good timing. Yeah. Yeah. Back in D.C. in that conference room again, Jacob is kind of chilling by himself and looking out the window. Sam comes up and says that she's been looking for him everywhere. Jacob asks if she has any idea why the president canceled the ceremony. That is the entire reason that everybody is in D.C. right now. And she says it's because Jack witnessed that accident where Armand just passed violently from this world. <laughs> Jacob is being really pissy and standoffish, but then he turns to Sam suddenly and tells her that he has lymphoma. Sam's like, that's bad. Jacob says that it's not good, but he plans to stick around long enough to see her fulfill her dream to be an astronaut. But 
Sam is pretty adamant that that's not really what she wants. So Jacob says, well, you know, I'll be around for a few months, so don't feel like you need to check on me or anything. And then he leaves. Uh, Even though he had just said, I plan to be around for a while. Like, I wouldn't call a couple months a while if we're talking about how much time you have left to live. And also that was just pretty asshole-ish. Yeah, I I, I know he's dying, but I hate parental guilt tripping so much. Yes, so do I. Can relate and hate it. Yeah. Knocking over things here. Don't yeah. mind me. <sighs> so he storms out and Sam cries. On Abydos, Shari is in labor, screaming Daniel's name. Daniel's telling her to push, and she's like, I'm gonna lose you. <sighs> I'm <laughs> that sounded way meaner about it than I meant for it to. <laughs> Daniel's like, I will always love you. And the gold won't be able to take that away. And tells her the BB's here, so she has to push <laughs> the bebe. Sorry. <laughs> then there's a really super weird close-up of her mouth puffing as she's pushing yep. them and says, forgive me. It was so weird. And It was. Okay, I thought that was weird, too. Oh, but yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. It is really weird. And then her eyes flash as we hear a baby crying. Daniel's caught the baby. He says it's a boy twice because he seems like he's like, oh, it's a boy. And then he's like, oh, it's a boy. <laughs> Aminette is back demanding her baby. <laughs> Daniel backs away, but a guard arrives with a zat. A Jaffa guard. Sorry, I should probably. <laughs> not just yeah. some random guard. Yeah, not just some random like guard from the gate room on Earth. <laughs> Daniel backs away from her, but a Jaffa guard arrives helmeted. With a zat telling them to bring him the child of Apophis, it's clearly Teal'c by his right. voice. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm pretty sure Daniel knows that too. Not sure about- I was wondering if we were supposed to not notice that as the audience because he for sure has a distinctive voice and yeah. I was not I... fooled. <laughs> no, neither was I. And I, I want to lean towards everyone's in on it because yeah. then it seems less dumb. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Agree. (laughs) So Daniel heads towards Teal'c and Amina is like, Apophis will destroy you both for this. And Teal'c tells her to tell Apophis that Harrower took her son as his own. And then he zats her. Just once, though. Yes. (laughs) He didn't kill her because then that would... That would defeat the whole purpose of being like, tell Apophis this. <laughs> sure would. Then the helmet comes <laughs> off and the big reveal is it's Teal'c, what? which is not at all surprising. And No way. <laughs> then they Teal'c's like, we need to get out of here. So they leave without Shari. Yep. Back out in whatever random tent that is that they keep showing us, Daniel introduces Kasuf to his grandson and tells Kasuf that the demon has come back and Kasuf is going to need to go into hiding with his grandson. Kasuf is very sad to find that Daniel's basically saying that he's never going to see his daughter again, but Daniel says that Shari is strong and isn't going to give up, and he's not going to give up either. Back on the base in the gate room, Hammond gives Sam and Jack their awards for bravery and heroism. Basically, it sounds like it's for primarily for the work that they did destroying the Guawold ships a couple months back or however long ago that was. 
he apologizes for the fact that the president himself couldn't do it, but Sam says that she'd rather have Hammond do it anyway. It's more meaningful coming from him. He tells them that Daniel's waiting for them on Abydos and dismisses them so that they can go get ready, but Jack stays behind for a second. He's hesitant to leave. Hammond assures Jack that what happened to Armand really was just an accident. But Jack isn't really too convinced, although he does not actually say anything. I'm not convinced either, Jack. I'm not either. No. It's very suspect. Quite. Well, too convenient. Yeah. Tilk, with his helmet up, leads Daniel, no longer in robes, but in t-shirt and pants, into Abydos's gate room and announces, My lord... As Harrower approaches them, Tilk says that uh, the Apophis guards took the bebe and says that <laughs> this dude claims he's of the Tauri, enemies of Apophis. And Daniel's like, yeah, I did that. Or whatever. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I defeated Apophis. What do you want? No biggie. Yeah. We're stronger than you think. How about we do an alliance? And Harrower's like, you're nothing. And I'm going to enslave your world after I destroy Apophis. And Daniel's like, mm, I don't think that's going to happen, buddy. Harrow tells him to kneel and Teal'c whacks Daniel to get him down on his knees. Harrow raises some sparkle bling, but then the gate starts to got, to dial. Like, it's Apophis, let's be ready. And they all face the gate and the guards rush up to the gate with their weapons raised, including Teal'c, but as the wormhole opens. Teal'c pushes one of the guards into the <laughs> what do you call that? The whooshy part. The wake? The I wake is what they okay. refer it to. <laughs> Teal'c pushes the guard into the wake and then zats the other guards. I noticed that the guy that got pushed into the wake did not leave his feet behind. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he went, he went whole hog. And they were not there. <laughs> Don't know what the difference is. <laughs> no <know>. idea. <laughs> Harrower puts up a personal shield as Sam and Jack come through. Harrower shouts Tauri Cree and then raises his bling again. And Jack and Sam are like, oh. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so they take cover. <laughs> then Daniel pushes Harrower's hand so the bling goes astray. But he then hits Daniel. I don't know. Yeah, he turns around and yeah. whacks Daniel oh, yeah. in, in the face and knocks him down. <laughs> Sam and Jack shoot some more guards, and Jack shoots at Harrower with his earth gun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> As opposed to the the gold guns that the everyone else gun, has yeah. been using. So, right. But his shield protects him from that, and Harrower's like, you dare challenge me? And then Jack's like, hell yeah, I do, and pulls out a knife and throws it, and it stabs Harrower right in the sparkle bling. As he's trying to bling them again. Inconvenient. Yeah. And it starts making little electricity. I, don't, I made sounds, but it was really <laughs> actual. It sounds it. like it shorted out. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Harrower makes his exit. He rings the fuck out of there. <laughs> he happened to be standing in like the exact right spot for the rings to be coming down. It so is that convenient. Was yeah. At this point, Tilk lowers his helmet 
and Sam is surprised that it's him, which makes me wonder how they didn't sh- or why they didn't shoot him before <laughs> when they were killing the other two guards. So that was pretty fortunate. I think he was he had been hit by the other guards, so he might have still been kind of down and maybe they weren't concerned about a downed guard. I don't know. Yeah. I guess, but he he had sh- shot the other guy on the other side, or the other two guys on the other side too. True. Although for whatever reason they stayed standing and convulsing, so yeah, <laughs> whatever. <I don't> know. <laughs> but you know, convenient that Tilk was not shot. Yes. So she helps him up, and Jack's like, "What the hell just happened?" Tilk tells him it is a lengthy story. Sam, Sam tells Jack that it's a good thing that he remembered that the shield's protective capability is directly proportional to the amount of kinetic energy directed at it. And Jack's like, uh, yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> Daniel's back on his feet at this point. Jack tells him that they need to get going right away. But the gate dials in again before they are able to dial out. Tilk and Daniel are like, it's Apophis. Jack says, what? <laughs> He's very confused about what has been happening on this planet. So they all hide. And Apophis comes through wearing his Mickey Mouse ear satellite dish helmet, (laughs) which (laughs) I thought was very funny and made me think of the the picture that one of our listeners sent us that I did repost on uh, on Twitter. (laughs) That was photoshopped with satellite dishes. and Might need to be reposted again for this episode. I might need to, yes. Uh, Apophis says that they need to find Aminette and Aminette says I'm here somehow she's found a change of clothes so she's back in like fancy gown Yeah, but she was not wearing her Sydney Opera House hat this time she was just wearing like a tiara with some pearls coming down the sides or whatever this thing was Apophis asks where the bebe is <laughs> <laughs> and Eminet says it was stolen by Heru Er and asks for forgiveness for failing him. They dial back out, and as the gate is opening, Eminet looks right at Daniel and Teal'c, who are hiding behind like a bay of wheat that really isn't big enough to be hiding them. So, once again, we see an example of them being bad at stealth. Apophis and Aminette and their posse leave through the gate, and SG-1 all comes out of hiding. Sam reminds Jack that there's still a gold ship parked on top of them, so they better not leave. So Jack tells her to dial home. Daniel stands and stares longingly at the gate, and Jack asks if he's okay. Daniel says he's not, but he will be. And Tilk reiterated what we just saw, that Aminette had looked right at them but that she didn't give them away. And they go through the gate, and that's the end of the episode. Woo! Woo! Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of this episode? There's just a lot going on. There's a lot yeah. happening in this episode. There was a lot happening. Yeah. I Did I like this episode? So I think that kind of... I liked a lot of elements to it. I think that... One of the things I was thinking about as I watched this is that most of the time the team is kind of all working together on the same thing all the time. So there isn't really like separate storylines happening in most of the episodes. Yeah. So I actually liked it. That was kind of a nice change of pace to have like stuff happening on Abydos and stuff happening on Earth. I liked the, the, uh, the stuff going on in DC a lot with the reporter 
finding shit out and then <laughs> dying before he could print his story. And, you know, it it was wrapped up a little neatly. Like, oh, he died. We totally didn't kill him. Wonder if this is going to come back at all. But for right now, we're good. But, you know... <laughs> There are threads that could be picked up later, like who yeah. killed him, who leaked the information in the first place. Did anyone right. else know what this guy had learned? So I like all that potential drama that could happen. <laughs> Was not super fond of the Daniel Share interactions. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I might be some sort of horrible person that just hates family <laughs> drama, but... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Daniel Michael Shanks was his acting was on point and um but they were I don't know. Yeah, but I just the two of them like, "Oh, Daniel, can you forgive me? There's nothing to forgive." <laughs> uh, do you, was, yeah, I love so you. Sappy. Do you still love me? I love you. Are you sure? <laughs> can you please forgive me? Do you I love you. I've told you that like 40 times. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Uh, it's too much for me. Agree. (laughs) Hard agree. And then there were some weird camera angle choices that I just couldn't get by behind, (laughs) like Shari's mouth breathing. And she does have very good straight white teeth, so maybe they just really wanted to show off her teeth. Maybe. And then there was like the weird, like I get it was a surprise, but like the weird slow panning down of her body to her pregnant belly, because kind of weird for me. And then. The close-up of Armin's face right before he gets hit by the car is just so funny that it, like, ruined the, <laughs> that dramatic <laughs> moment for me. So I'm not sure what was going on with those choices. Fair. That I wasn't super fond of, but I really... And then there was obviously also Sam and her dad drama, which annoying parents annoy me, which I wasn't super fond of. So it sounds like I'm talking a lot of stuff about the stuff I don't like, but I think overall it was... It was it was all right. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. My thoughts are kind of similar. I did not like the Abydos storylines either. I thought they were boring and sappy. As I mentioned, uh, I don't remember the actress's name that plays Shari, but I thought that that acting was quite ungood. As you mentioned, though, Daniel did do a well enough job with his scenes, or Michael Shanks. So, but just overall, I just thought the, the writing was bad and I just didn't like that storyline and it was boring. Uh, I did also, though, enjoy all the DC storyline. <laughs> and so I thought the X-Files man, even though I forgot his name was Spender and like what character he was, it still amused me to be seeing this guy that was also in X-Files. Um, but uh, I, <laughs> having had my own issues with my own parental yeah. issues, I also found the parts with Sam and her parental issues to be annoying. So... Uh, yeah, pretty much agree for everything, all, all the stuff that you said that you liked, I liked, and the stuff that you didn't like is pretty much the same stuff that I didn't like. Yeah. Total uh, agreement. Ooh. This is a random thing that has nothing to do with whether or not I like it, but have you noticed, I feel like Michael Shanks slash Daniel wears his glasses way less than he did in the first season. Oh, yeah, and that continues, if I recall, yeah. throughout the show until, like, he just doesn't wear them at all anymore. <laughs> great <laughs> <laughs> which i yeah i had noticed that before and always thought that it was weird and i my guess is that michael shanks just didn't want to wear glasses that's fair <laughs> so what's next oh i'm thoroughly unprepared for this hold on one second that's fair how would you know that i was going to ask you that i mean <laughs> it, it, i figured you probably would but okay 
Nope, that's the last one on that page. I'm just going to read from the booklet because I have the booklet on hand. Do it. Alright. We have Stargate SG-1 Season 2 Episode 10 Bane. <laughs> you really adopted the darkness. I respond to it. <laughs> A giant flying insect has bitten Teal'c and is reconfiguring his DNA. That's inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> it is inconvenient. I hate when that happens. Soon his body will transform into a cocoon and give birth to hundreds of alien insects. Can the SG-1 team capture one of the bugs, extract the venom, and save Teal'c before it's too late? That's like to eat insects, so it sounds like it's the perfect one for Batman to be guest starring in. Because if Bane's there, then Batman's gotta be there. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> sounds very thrilling. I'm sure I, I don't remember anything about this episode. I wonder if I've seen it more than once, because I'm like, on rewatches, I just skip things I don't feel like watching. Uh, it sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't really remember a whole lot about it. This is a Netflix site, just out of curiosity. It probably just says, this is what happens in the opening scene. Yeah, it's more or less the same with less detail. O'Neill and the SG-1 team are attacked by giant insects. Insects. Tilgus. Insects. Yes. Tilk is stung, and when he returns to Earth, a strange transformation begins. So, same Sounds thing. Sounds gross. Yeah, so we probably only need one of those. Yeah, it does sound yeah. gross. Yeah. Yeah. All right. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure that you subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice if you have not already done so, so that you'll get our episodes as soon as they are released. Currently, every Monday, you can also find our episodes on YouTube. Reviews and likes are very much appreciated because they help others to find the podcast and word of mouth is also great for helping new people find the show. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at stargatesing there. And if you're feeling generous, you can join us on patreon.com slash stargatesing for all of our donors. They get bonus episodes and behind the scenes postings as well as early release our pockets do need money guys let's yeah, get I on need this to, <laughs> i need to make my brain start working again apparently and i'm not sure how to do that money in our pockets that's how we money do in it my pocket we'll probably yeah. do it yes and of course you can check us out on our website which is stargatesing.space i'm mary i'm kathy and you've been listening to stargatesing the end the end Oh, I always mean to ask, and I never do, what is our music? Like, where did it come from? It came from a website called Pixabay. Ooh. It is royalty-free, so uh, I probably should give the people credit, but I don't technically have to. Nice. I like that. I was just curious. I'm like, I never ask, and I should ask. And now I've asked. You have. Yes. <laughs>